You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hello, friends on Zoom. Good to see you guys here. Um, I'm Bill White. I'm one of the co-pastors at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And we're just really glad you're with us today. It's kind of chilly in California. We have some friends here from Florida. They're like, ooh, it's kind of cold in California. Yes, yes. So, uh, but we're just so glad you're here. Uh, Glad to be on this journey uh, together uh, to get to know Jesus. Uh, We like to extend a special welcome to our kiddos. And so I'd like to invite up Megan Williams, who's going to pray over our kids right now before we send them off. So here, come over here so the Zoom people can see you. Good morning, church. Let's pray for our kids this morning. God, thank you so much uh, for the kids that are among us and the kids on Zoom, um, kids here at Lafayette, um, kids in Long Beach. Thank you that you have a sweet spot for kids, um, for children and and where they're at, um, that you long for them to have security um, and connection. Thank you so much that you created that. Um, Pray for each one of us here that has a kiddo inside, um, that we need love and connection as well. So may our community today um, just offer that. Um, Bless us this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Megan. Uh, Kiddos, if you want, you may escape now and hang out with Megan and the other cool people uh, who are outside. And if you would welcome our other fearless co-pastor, Brenna Rubio and Dottie Olson. Oh, you're not using this, are you? Are you? Thanks, thanks. Good morning. It's so good to be here with you all. All right, so we have been talking about God's activity in the world. Where does God's power show up? We've been chatting about this for the last couple weeks, and this morning we are talking about power, and specifically power and balance, and we're talking about the poor. And in the Bible, there's a lot of different ways that the poor are talked about. And and as a result, in Christianity, there's a lot of different ways we talk about the poor Mm -hmm. and systemic poverty. Some might say, everyone's got an equal playing field, you just gotta work hard, right? We've heard this. Some say, you know what, whatever circumstance, just learn to be content, just be content, just be grateful. There's a lot of different assumptions that we could have when we're talking about the poor. And we are gonna, um, we are gonna take the assumption that poverty happens because there's a power imbalance. And what God thinks about this is God is with the poor. God is in solidarity with the poor. So we're just gonna jump into this starting there. That poverty is happening because there's a power imbalance and God is with the poor. And there's this fancy term in theology called God's preferential treatment of the poor. And I'm just gonna give a definition because that's what what we mean. God's preferential treatment of the poor refers to a trend throughout the Bible of priority being given to the well-being of the poor 
and powerless of society and teaching and, and commands of God, as well as the prophets and other righteous people. So another way to say it, God is with the poor and in solidarity with the poor. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Go for it, Brenna. Well, we're just aware as we launch into this topic um, that it has the potential to bring up some emotions and some thoughts with people because it is a topic that as Dottie was saying right the church is not always treated particularly well or with a lot of nuance um and so Dottie and I were so excited because actually we're going to have basically a third co-preacher with us this morning um because Dottie and I needed some help like we actually felt like we want to learn we have more to learn uh, as we go into this conversation and so this is this is a community of learning and conversation and consideration this morning. But I wanna just say, we may, all, we may be coming into these for this from some different spots. And so some of you, as you start to get to know our third co-preacher this morning, who Dottie is gonna introduce us to in just a few minutes, um, some of you, as you listen to her, as you see just her embodiment in the world, and the way she speaks, as you hear her talk about her experiences, you're gonna feel like, yes that's me i get it she gets me we connect i you're going to feel sort of seen and known and represented in a way that that's probably going to feel really good in lots of ways might also be like a little scary like is this a safe place for me to talk with the others the people who don't who haven't come from the same place that I've come with. And, and so just so you know, like some of those emotions may come up. And then others of us, as you listen to our third co-preacher this morning, it may feel like, wow, my life has been so different. I don't see myself in the embodiment and the ways of speaking and, and my life experiences have been so different. And, and so how do I connect? And what do I do if, if there are feelings of discomfort or, or guilt or just, overwhelmedness that come up in me as I listen. All of these things are possible, and it's just part of the learning process. I just want us to go in this morning knowing that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like the verse that our friend Byron is going to come up in just a second and read to us, Jesus, when he was saying it, he was talking to a community just like this one, just as diverse people from different ethnic backgrounds, people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different educational levels. It was just as diverse as our community. And he meant it for all of them in the same way that he means these words for all of us this morning. Okay, so we're all gonna take some big deep breaths and we're gonna be courageous together this morning and enter this conversation, yeah? All right, would you welcome Byron Bush up with me because he's going to come read our scripture. And would you also stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Oh, interpretive dance. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> All right, Luke 6.20. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. God, this is the word of God. Thank you, Byron. Thank you, Byron. So this is a, a short little verse. 
And again, as, as Brenna said, this is a really intense topic. And as we've kind of imagined it, we were like, oh, I just wish we were sitting around a table talking about this. Because it is one that feels really like, how, what do we all bring and what do we think? How do we you know, react? But this verse in Luke 6 is, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it falls in the Beatitudes. And it's this famous uh, declaration of blessings that, that Jesus gives at the beginning of a sermon. And it's found in Matthew, and we're reading the one from Luke. And the one in Luke is not talking about spiritual poverty. It's not talking about voluntary poverty. It is talking about material poverty. It's saying those who are experiencing material poverty, you are blessed. And it goes with the same thing that God is with the poor, the preferential treatment of the poor. And, and Brenna said this uh, when we were reflecting on this. She said, yours is the kingdom of God because the kingdom of the world is not yours, right? Yours is the kingdom of God because the kingdom of the world er, er, is not yours. I'm quoting Brenna, she's standing here. But <laughs> the highest flattery, right? I, but She was like, take it. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go, whatever. It's Brenna. <laughs> so, so the poor are blessed. The poor, Jesus says, the poor are blessed, and yet, God is still calling us to fight systemic evils. So I wanna share two voices and that, that have some great wisdom as we lead into our third virtual co-preacher. Um, one is Gustavo Gutierrez. He's kind of the founding father of liberation a Latin American liber liberation theology, which is a huge voice that informs how we understand poverty. And Gustavo Gutierrez says when Jesus said, so this is pulling together. So when Jesus said, blessed are the poor, Gustavo points out, he does not say blessed is poverty. For Gutierrez, yeah, I don't know why I said that wrong. Gutierrez, standing and solidarity with the poor began to make, began to mean taking a stand against inhumane poverty. Another quote, Alma uh, Ruiz says, you do not have to be material, materially poor to enter into the kingdom of God. God does not want you to be poor. Blessed are you who fight for righteousness, who are persecuted for fighting against exploitation. So God is with the poor, God blesses the poor, and God calls us to be in solidarity. And that means fight the evils of poverty. And I have made a friend this last year. Her name is Aurelis Figueroa. And she is just an incredible, incredible woman. And uh, I've been really moved by her advocacy work. And I heard her sing a song. And at one point in the song, she says, don't call me a foreigner. Don't call me an alien. And I, as I was hearing her sing this song, myself and other friends who work in ministry were weeping and just moved by the work she does. Aurelis is a community activist and an organizer and a minister. And she's had a huge amount of impact in Latin America and in the United States in tending to communities and also in the work of justice and working to end poverty. She works at the Cairo Center in New York City that is connected and kind of seen as this anchor of the Poor People's Campaign. And the Poor People's Campaign is this, this movement that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was championing before he was assassinated. 
and it's still happening today. And so she is just so involved in this work. And I get to hear um, when I meet with her regularly about her updates with this work. And um, as much as I just could nerd out on the theology of liberation, it felt really important to hear from someone that is embodying this in such a tremendous way. So we are going to hear from Aurelis for several minutes. Uh, she, we're calling her our third co-preacher. So get comfortable. Um, and we're going to listen to her. Yeah, and her work and her story. So. OK, awesome. So Aurelis, can you tell us um, a little bit about yourself? Um, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? What makes up your time? Hello, my name is Arelis Figueroa. I'm from the Dominican Republic. So I am a Afro-Dominican woman. And I live uh, currently in New York City. Amazing, amazing. And, and what do you do with your time? What fills your days? I am... Um, I'm a mom. <laughs> My daughter is 12, 12 years old. I currently work at the Kairos Center, and I really am here in Kairos office. And the Kairos Center um, for Religious Justice and Rights is one of the anchor of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for a moral revival. So currently I'm working in the um, religious affair team of the Kairos Center. Amazing. That is so awesome. Okay, so obviously there's so much we could keep asking, but I'll, um, I, I want to hear more as we are talking about Blessed Are the Poor, um, and you, your work is with the Poor People's Campaign. I would love to hear how did you get involved with the Poor People's Campaign, and what is the Poor People's Campaign? Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes. I, as I tell you, I was born in the Dominican Republic. My father was a pastor, and he his um, his ministry was very um, rooted in with the poor, mm -hmm. in social services and social justice. So that was part of my my upbringing, right? Um, then when I wanted when I said that I wanted also to be a minister, that my father wasn't too happy about it, but then he agreed. I went to Brazil, and in Brazil, I get more in contact with liberation theology. Uh, we're talking uh, talking about the the Jesus preferential preferential oxen for the poor, and I always say that that was a, a, a second conversion for me. In my country, I have a, a conversion also because I after graduation I start working with grassroots movement, and I start doing a lot of work with the Haitian and start working uh, on, on racism within the Dominican community, which as a, within the Dominican Republic, as a black woman, black girl at the time, I grew up saying, listen, like I wasn't black, that the black were the Haitian, but I was discriminated against because of my color. Um, so I did a lot of work on that and I was in the midst of that when I went to, to Brazil and things start getting like more together. Then fast forward, I came to New York. The life just bring me here, I need to stay here. 
and always have that, you know, I joined the, the Riverside Church, a uh, church that is very, you know, social justice oriented and all of that. I went to seminary, came to Union Theological, have a, my MD. And then in 2014, 2018, uh, I hear Dr. Barber talk about the Poor People's Campaign, that they're gonna be launching, that relaunching, and say, wow. I think that was the first time that in the United States I was hearing people talking about like poverty in that way. And I say, you know, I want to join that movement. And I did. I did. So that was in 2018. And you know that the Poor People's Campaign was the campaign that Martin Luther King was organizing before he was killed. When, when he was killed, he was organizing the Poor People's Campaign. You know? and, and that was to 1968. Of the 2018 was approaching people start saying, what are we gonna do? We don't wanna go just do another, another um, celebration, right? What we need to do is to, to complete the, the work that was left undone. And that's how they, you know, Reverend Barber with the Repetes of the Bridge in, in North Carolina, and Reverend uh, Lister Harris here in, in New York with the Cairo Center, they merged and said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do this and how they launched the Poor People's Campaign. That is so amazing. Can you tell um, us briefly just what does the Poor People's Campaign currently do? Yeah, so, so the Poor People's Campaign was conceived as a, a fusion movement. It's not an organization. That's why some people don't understand that. The thing is like, a, we need to unite the poor wow this is a big task and also we need to work through lines of division through those silos we need to to uh divide to get rid of those silos we need because everything is connected so they talk about the interconnection of, of the different issues right so following uh, martin luther king who identified poverty racism and militarism of the evil of the society, those evils are still present with us. So, so we took those evils and to those evils we add the ecological devastation and the false moral narrative of religious nationalism, which like the one who sustained all of these evils. So the Poor People's Campaign just want to do this to unite the poor and, and, and work through those uh, silos. Wow, that's amazing. I've known you for half a year now and I'm learning so much even as you're sharing and I'm so grateful for that. Okay, so can you tell us more about how does the work of ending poverty connect to the gospel for you or the Jesus story? How does the work of ending poverty connect to the gospel? Yeah. Poverty um, is essential in, in the Bible, right? If you look in the New Testament and the first 
Testament, the Hebrew Bible, and, and the New Testament. Poverty is essential. We will determinants, like, you know, how you need to welcome the strangers. And then you go to the New Testament because you did it to the least of this. You did it to me. And it is essential. We can not go. We cannot let the poor uh, out. Also, in thinking about this conversation, it reminds me that we just, you know, we just celebrate Christmas. To whom Jesus, you know, was announced first. It was to the shepherds. There were if you if you want those like uh, uh, lay workers. The shepherds, they were the least of the least. And it was to them that get, you know, the announce. That, that's why they are blessed, you know, blessed are the poor. They receive the, the, the good news of that Jesus was coming. And for the poor, good news is also the, the end of poverty, that we think that poverty can be end not just alleviated, especially, especially in the richest country of the world, which is the United States. Mm, that is a good word. The good news is that poverty can be ended. What does the verse, blessed are the poor, mean to you? Blessed are the poor is part of the Beatitudes, right? Right? And... Yeah, they are blessed for what I said, what I said before, right? They're blessed they was they they was announced. They are blessed also because as we um help the poor, not help, but as we like be in solidarity with the poor, we are also blessed. And thanks to that, we're gonna be safe. Because you did it or you you didn't, right? To the list of this. Uh, I think that's why they are, they are, you know, they they are blessed. Mm -hmm. And there are so many provisions for in, in the in the in the Hebrew Bible, like you, you know that what they say, like uh, when you are uh, gathering, you leave gathering the harvest and leaves something for for the poor, right? It is always something. Uh, this provision for for the poor and i think that jesus was he, he can especially to for the poor and god the other thing is that god hear the cry of the poor in the bible we hear right the people in 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 egypt so god hear the the, the cry and came to the rescue Oh, that is so beautiful. Okay. I want, oh, I, I, we could talk to you for hours and I wish you lived on the West Coast to be with us, but for our community, City Church of Long Beach, what's something that you want us to know and you want us to carry, um, to carry with us as you are someone that is living out, being in solidarity with the poor and working to end poverty uh, what do you hope for communities like ours to know? Yeah, and then I have the opportunity to 
preach for Martin Luther King. People want to hear. And uh, because some churches think, and especially when we talk about the poor people's campaign and all this, people say, oh my God, this is overwhelming. No, <laughs> it's too much. Uh, I want churches to know that this can be done. Um, just little by little, you can start with like a baby step. One of the um, quote from Martin Luther King, he said like, a, we are called to, to be the Samaritan in the Jericho Road, right? But this is maybe just at the beginning because then we want to realize that that uh, edifice that produce bigger, bigger need to be reconstructed again. But we are called to attend those people in need right now. We call it project of survival. And then that's going to lead us to, to something else. But we need to start um, somewhere. We need to start somewhere. Right now, I just came from this church that is supporting the immigrants and the new the new immigrants refugees and this church they have um the lawyers there they have people working with benefits they have you know something that because they they need that and then also then uh, i'm there in a table this telling them you know and now i'm here to listen to you let's create community Let's, what else you, you need? You want to attend both your physical need and your spiritual. Wow, thank you. I, I'm, I'm taking that with me and we'll take that with us that we, um, we can do something. And even if it's just starting now, this is just the beginning. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Because in reality, we are living in very like difficult, precarious time. There is too much evil. Um, people are disappointed. People are like losing hope. But uh, it's always something that that we can do. We have a big enemy outside, <laughs> but uh, we we can do this if. We, if we get together. And one of the things is that we need to unite. Um, one thing is happening is that they have been very smart in setting us uh, apart, the poor. And then you pick one against the other. Um, Dominican, um, like they call us Hispanic or Latinx. They pick Latinx against African-American, and then we have the Asians, uh, other immigrants from Africa. And we need all to get, get together because when we are separate, that's, they don't want us to be together because they know that is uh, strength and that if we get together, we can, we can overcome, we can overcome. Woo. All right. We are going to hear 
a little bit more from Morellis before the morning's over, um, but we want to pause and just reflect a little bit because we know there was a lot going on there. And uh, man, I, I just can't even imagine. I'm sure all of you guys heard different things. I'm so excited for the conversations we're going to be able to have after after the service is over today. But for me, one of the things, I mean, honestly, was just, I loved the sign in her background. Did you guys notice that sign? It said, fight poverty, not the poor. It, it just reminded me of those quotes, Dottie, that you read yeah. towards the beginning, right? Because there is this sense of love the poor and fight poverty, both things together. Poverty is what we fight and we love the poor as we do so. We love ourselves where we have experienced poverty and we stand with those who are currently experiencing poverty one of the other things that really like it it stuck out to me but i also thought like oh it went so fast i wanted to make sure that we all were able to hear it was the way that arellis talked about how poverty isn't just one thing right like it's not just I don't know, people can't get jobs. It's not just unfair wages. It's, it's, it's this whole interwoven set of issues. So when we think about how do we take those next steps? Like what is something that we can do? How do we get involved individually? And as a community here at City Church, there are actually so many different possibilities, which is actually kind of freeing to go, oh, I, I could go at this problem. We can, can start to do take our little piece of the problem in so many different ways. So some of the ones that she mentioned, right, the first sort of big three that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talked a lot about during his lifetime, and I think we're gonna have it up on the screen, were poverty, racism, and militarism. Uh, militarism, especially because of, think about budgets, because so much of a budget nationally or in different communities might go towards military right that if you spend that much money on the military you don't have as much money for other things in a smaller community a fair amount of your budget on the police well then you have less money for other things that might actually be building positive good into a community in ways that might actually address poverty at its roots um, but then she also talked about ecological devastation because of the ways that environmental issues have different impacts on different groups of people right that if you are living in poverty you're likely to feel the effects of living near the freeway and what that does to your your health for example or communities who are having trouble with access to water these days right so environmental issues and also oh i thought this one let's let's make sure we hear it the false moral narrative of religious nationalism can we get people focused on this set of issues over here so that they're not looking at this set that would actually help people um, move out of poverty. And, and for me, I just thought we talk so much about the idea of shalom, this, this forceful goodness that God created us for, and that shalom is about healthy relationships. And those healthy relationships are, it's a relationship we have with God inside ourselves, with each other, with our environment, in our communities. It is all of these interwoven things and so poverty is not just just one thing it's a breakdown of the shalom to be found in so many relationships and that's why it's about the good news right because the good news is about the restoration of shalom yeah yeah well said brenna and another thing I, if you if we reflect more on Aurelis, she said 
This isn't optional, right? This is not optional. And God and Jesus, they make it like, it's clear. It's not an extra. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to love God is to love God's people and, and blessed are the poor and to love the poor is to be in solidarity with the poor. And so all of us, wherever we're located in this experience, God is in solidarity with the poor. And this is not an optional part of our faith. In, um, in the story in Matthew 20 about, um, it's an economic story. There's this verse that says, for those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. The kingdom of God always flips scripts. We talk about this a lot. This is not optional. Yeah not not optional and in too many churches we've made it seem that way um and of course Aurelis had such a strong emphasis on let's just do something right don't get stuck in an inaction don't get stuck in overthinking it but we just we just do something and realizing that so much of the tactics that the powerful are going to use is to try and create that fear and also division you know, to feel like, well, I'm not in that group, so that's just their issue, or, you know, to, to separate us and make it seem, even to distract and say, like, let's get this group of people with less power angry at this group of people with less power, and definitely let's just make, like, the people with more power feel guilty and confused, right? And yet that helps nothing. What if instead we were just committed to loving each other, loving the person right in front of us and thinking, how do I actually lift them up? Um, there's a passage in the book of Philippians that I just love. And the way it ends like this, I'm, it's talking about unity. It's talking about how, how Jesus means to bring us together, right? When he flips those scripts and says, hey, you know, the first are gonna be last and the last are gonna be first, and yet you're all gonna be there. You're all loved, you're all included, you're all invited but join me. Those of you who have more, help the people who have less. Lift them up. So in Philippians 2, it says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And I just want to say real quick, one of the ways that I've experienced that at City Church is in the early days of the pandemic, um, when we had no idea what we were doing, right? We'd all been sent back home. We were all feeling a little confused. And we had this first Zoom meeting, mostly just to help us all start to get a little comfortable with Zoom. And it was like, hey, anybody from the church, come, we're gonna like have a Zoom meeting and we're gonna talk about what we're doing as a community. And it was, it was not like some big vision that Bill and I had, but the community said, hey, there are gonna be a lot of people who are hungry, we think, and what can we do? Are there things we can do? Hey, who'd be interested in helping with that? And oh, I would do this and I would do that. And, and it was just this, this beautiful little, hey, we just worry that there are going to be people who are hungry. And what could we do as a community to value those people? So that we ended up, you know, having this, you know, two-year effort to make sure that 50 families in our community, a few in the church, but really just kind of the community, that they weren't hungry. And I just think. I think that's the kind of thing we're talking about. It can be bigger. It's also the ways we're holding our leaders to account that maybe sometimes it's just, hey, I think some people are hungry. What can we do? Let's lean in. Yeah, there's a lot of implications for this. And 
Um, may we all just carry the wisdom of Aurelis and the wisdom we're learning. And as we're having this communal conversation, um, let's carry it with us. And um, Aurelis uh, sang on our time together, and we are gonna finish our time listening to her um, singing. And uh, she adapted a song from the Poor People's Campaign. Um, so would you just, just cherish this, let these things um, stir up in us, I guess, and feel it all, because uh, there's a lot of goodness there. So yeah, let's listen to Aurelis. What a powerful message of unity to fight these systemic evils. So, so good. Aurelis, will you, um, will you close our time with a song, which I always love when you sing? <laughs> yes, I love this. Um, freedom and free, right? Everything have a, a cause. Everything that we have also in this country, it was fought for, right? And I'm very careful. I tell people like that. Listen, because that's something that, that I learned. Will you please pray As an me? immigrant, you know, we have, even if you're educating in your country, you always hear that. Oh, no, because in the United States, you have this, you have that, you have that. And then you come here and you realize that you have all of this because someone fight for this someone fought for this and they opened up for us otherwise my family people my color couldn't be talking here now we were still being in slavery they don't wake up one day and say we're gonna give you liberty so freedom and free if we want freedom we need to fight for anger gonna be with us <laughs> freedom and free oh freedom and free if you want freedom for children fight for public school freedom and free freedom